A bit of a different mission for you today, Agent 47. We need you to explain the connection between your existence as a murderous hitman performing undercover stealth assassinations and any relation to the Biblical Christ. Please, do try not to- Blast, well. He's gone and forgotten all of this. Guess I'll have to do it myself. And welcome to Checkpoint Church, where nerds, geeks, and gamers come together to talk about faith, games, and constants. I am your nerd pastor, Nate. I'm so thankful that you are here with us today. So as the awesome new entry in Hitman, Hitman 3 has officially entered the fray. I thought it would be a good time to tackle it and see what we think. So before we get into it, we're going to tackle our scripture as always. Today, I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. I'll be reading from the NRSV. That's just my preferred translation. It's what's going to be on the screen. If you have something else you prefer, feel free to use that as well. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others, Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So, Hitman 3. Hitman 3 is a stealth game developed and published by IO Interactive. It's the eighth main installment in the Hitman series and the final entry in what they're calling the World of Assassination trilogy following Hitman in 2016 and Hitman 2 in 2018. This is a single-player story and, as I mentioned earlier, is the third in a trilogy, so it wraps up what we started back in Hitman in 2016. And in it, we follow the genetically engineered assassin, Agent 47, and his allies as they continue to hunt down the leaders of Providence, this secretive organization controlling all of the world's affairs, the big bad. And so far, it seems to be doing pretty well. So what actually takes place in this game? Well, following the events of Hitman 2, Agent 47 and his friend Lucas Gray begin their hunt for the three main partners of Providence, Carl Ingram, Marcus, and Alexa Carlisle. Ultimately, Hitman 3 is a story much like any other mercenary drama or much like any other Hitman game, which is one argument against this game, I suppose. If you've played other Hitman, it's, it's another Hitman. But the same argument can be made for a lot of these kind of dramas in this style of show. It's one of intrigue, it's one of betrayal, it's one of trust. Just add into the mix a nameless bald killing machine who happens to be very sneaky sneaky. Blathery little snake. Without spoiling too much of the plotline and gameplay in this very new game, let's just deal with one of the major questions that this storyline asks. Who exactly is being controlled in this story? See, just in this game alone, we have a lot of players. We have Diana, who is Agent 47's most trusted confidant. We have the ICA, or the International Contract Agency. We have Providence, this elite class of powerful people. And of course, we have Agent 47 himself, who is actually in control of his decision-making. We know that much of what Agent 47 has done is actually kind of a mystery to his own self. With a mixture of traumatizing training and drugging, his past is kind of a born level blur. I mean, let's just take a look at his wiki alone. 47 is defined as a paid assassin and a clone. He gets his name from being the 47th clone created from the DNA of five different men made to be perfect assassins who could easily maintain peak physicality and intelligence while easily being controlled he's being controlled by whoever they were devoted to, usually a handler. So who is our handler when we're playing 47? Is it Diana? Is it Providence? Is it a outside contractor? Is it the ICA? Is it some mysterious figure? Or, and stick with me here, 
What if we decided we actually wanted to control ourselves? Like what if 47 himself wanted to be in charge? Or on a meta level, this begs the question, are we in control of 47 as the players behind the controller? Or is all of it in the hands of the game developers? Who is really in control here? So with this in mind, and before our brains leak out of our skulls, let's look to our scripture. In this conversation, we are privy to a BTS behind the scenes between Jesus himself and his disciples. We today understand and believe a lot of different things about Jesus. We understand that he is Jesus Christ. We understand that he's the Messiah, the Son of God, the God-man, the one who died on a cross for all of our sin, and all the other wonderful things that I went to seminary for. But at this point, Jesus was still actually present on earth physically among these people, and so he was trying to kind of suss out what people were thinking of him. At this point, he had yet to actually die on the cross for sin and was still giving people, 12 people in particular, plenty of time to figure things out. So he starts out this question innocently enough. He says, hey, who do others say that I am? Quick note here, notice what Jesus doesn't ask. Jesus doesn't say, now who do these Pharisees and scribes say that I am? No, that would be like him saying, who does this nerd Pastor Nate say that I am? Who does Billy Graham or Stephen Furtick or Joel Olstein or whoever, you know, fill in your blank of famous pastor. Jesus doesn't care what they have to say. He wants to know what the general person has to say. And these people are close, but not quite there. The disciples explain that most of the general public is getting the whole resurrection thing confused and thinks that maybe he is a resurrection of another prophet, of an older prophet in the Old Testament, the books that they've read again and again. They were getting the whole resurrection thing kind of a bit wonky, but they were using what they had and what they understood in their scriptures. But they were trying, and Jesus saw that they were they were going to get to see exactly what Jesus meant and who Jesus was before too long in the story. But Jesus had been working intentionally with these 12 for a long time. He had told them his secret. He told them the truth. They should know the right answer. And please, make no mistake, the disciples get it wrong like a lot. He says, and what about you, meaning everyone? I might say now, how about y'all, but who do the disciples? Who do the disciples as a group know me to be? Peter steps up for the group and proudly and succinctly tells it exactly like it is. He looks Jesus in the eye and he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, make no mistake here. This isn't some Sunday school answer where, you know, no matter what the teacher asks, every answer is Jesus. Yes, we know your trick. This is Peter saying unequivocally that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. No ifs, no buts, no ands, no apologetics or pretty words, just exactly the truth as it's to be understood. And this makes Jesus unbelievably proud. He says that Peter is blessed and that he got that knowledge straight from God himself, which of course... Peter did. This is an answer that Peter could have only gotten from seeing, living, eating, hearing, day in, day out, being with God-made man in Jesus Christ. There is no room for doubt in Peter's answer. He knows who Jesus is. He knows who Jesus came to be. He's lived the life. He's walked the walk. He's talked the talk. He's experienced it. He knows exactly who Jesus is. This is the rock that Jesus wants to build the community known as the church upon. Not shaky sand of uncertainty, but clear and transparent and sturdy rock. Now, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that there isn't any room for doubt in faith. I'm a big proponent for doubting. You are totally fine. You are totally legitimate. There is nothing wrong with being a Christian who has doubts. But I am saying that there probably isn't any room for doubt about Jesus. If you proclaim to be a Christian and you're wavering with who Jesus is, then you might be missing the point. 
If that is wavering, if you don't understand who Jesus is, then that's going to be the root of a lot of stress for a lot of things in this life of the Christian. See, the church fails. It's okay to doubt in the church. The words that we say, that we hear, that I say as a preacher, they fail. Even the Bible can be twisted and changed and perverted. Jesus is the only real tangible thing that we have to be clear on. A relationship with Jesus is key. So, sermon aside, what does this have to do with Agent 47? How can we possibly relate to this? Well, I'm sure there are arguments to be made that there's some salvific or messianic figure in Hitman, but that's not the argument for this video. No, Agent 47 presents a tough question of who is in control and how can we determine who is in control. Let's think about the people in Agent 47's life. There are his acquaintances, his good friends. There are also his controllers and his payout holders. And then there's this close, close friend, Diana, who happens to also be his handler. Oh, but wait, there's actually one more. There's Agent 47 himself. And then there's also you and me, the person behind the controller. Now, just like Jesus, there are some who just aren't hitting the mark on who he is. They think that 47 is just a mindless killing machine. They think he's just a contract. They see him as a mercenary alone. But then there are people who see him for who he truly is, or should I say, who we truly are. How we play Agent 47 matters. Do we feel guilt for the lives that we take? Do we interpret our motives with empathy, with purpose, with conviction? Even Diana, who knows full well what 47 is capable of, still finds a way to find the emotional side of him. She sees him more than just a mark or a client. And so does our good buddy Lucas Gray. And so do we, the player. We get to see all sides, and it changes our perception of the character himself. But ultimately, the question remains at the end of the game, who do you say that I am? At the end of the game, what does 47 believe about himself? What does Diana believe about him? These are the important questions from important people. People. And it's the same for us. There are people in our lives who just don't know the real us, or maybe they miss the mark just a bit. But who out there gets you, like really gets you? Those are your disciples, your besties, your Dianas. Hold on tight to those people and work on reaching a point where you can ask someone, who do you say I am? And know that that response is going to be true and right to the important person that you are. Believe it or not, even Agent 47 is worthy of grace, and so are you. We get that out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. I would want somebody to say that about me whenever they talk about who I am. I want to be known as a nerdy, geeky dork who is crazy in love with Jesus and my fellow nerdy, geeky dorks. So the question that we want to ask as we close this time together is what do others say about you and what can you do to change it? Thanks for listening to our weekly nerdy deep dive into the world of nerds, geeks, and gamers. We hope you enjoyed the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to experience this video in its intended full viewing, feel free to find us over on YouTube at Checkpoint Church and watch it there. If you're interested in supporting what we're doing, feel free to go to www.checkpointchurch.com support for information on how to donate or support us financially or otherwise. Or you can go through the Anchor app and support us there as well. This program is created, produced, and edited by Nathan Webb and distributed by Anchor. Find us on twitch.tv slash checkpointchurch where we'll be streaming on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Thanks again for listening to our show. And remember, God loves you. We love you. You matter. Be boldly blessed, and we will catch you next time.